We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are here. We have arrived. We have made it through the offseason. Well, not officially, because there's going to be one more podcast coming out after this uh, with me and Jeremy, obviously, for the Monday pod. Uh, before the Knicks do their media day and training camp officially opens and the whole song and dance. Um, but it feels symbolic that we're we're ending. This is the last week um, that we have to end, you know, without any real Knicks stuff to talk about. And I have to say, I, you know, and, you know, inside baseball here, Andrew and, and Jeremy and, and I and, and, and Chris, like we, we talked at the beginning of the summer, like, man, it's going to be there's going to be a dead zone. Like, what are we going to do? I have to say it's kind of flown by for one two. I'm really Kind of proud of what we put together and the fact that we I hope you agree, obviously, um, you know, that we've been able to put together some some fun and engaging shows and some great guests. And it really has made the time fly by uh, for me. I hope it's helped make the summer fly by for you as well. Um, and we're going to end the summer, as it were, uh, with something a little different. So I actually I'm recording this on Thursday night. I actually just went live for an hour on the Knicks Film School YouTube channel, uh, just kind of shooting the shit, answering questions about lists that don't make a difference and rankings and um, got some bunch of lineup questions and questions about, you know, who's going to have what role and is someone going to be diminished in trades and all the usual stuff. I have to say, Knicks fans never fail to disappoint because it was thoughtful, interesting, engaging stuff. And as 
is always the case, it kept me on past the time that I was planning on staying on to talk and answer questions. So uh, we have gone around and we have uh, repurposed that uh, live stream audio, which is, again, just me talking for an hour. But I promise you, it's it's pretty good um, as uh, today's podcast. Uh, next week, obviously, we will have uh, Jeremy and I to kick off the week. Uh, media days happening. We'll have some for that. Uh, and then we have some some pretty awesome guests lined up. And then before you know it, you're going to be checking your, your, you know, whatever you get your podcasts, your feed in the morning, and there's going to be some popping up. Uh, Nick's post-game reaction, because you know I'm going to be reacting to uh, every preseason game and then, uh, of course, every every regular season game once once they start and we are we are we are getting close we're getting close i could feel it uh so without further ado uh here is uh last night's end of summer live stream all right giddy up how we doing how long has it been a- andrew claudio i know you're listening because you have to listen someone someone tell me how long it's been it feels like it's been I don't know. A few months? Months? Weeks? Days? No, it's been it hasn't been that long. I think uh last time I, I checked in with everybody was after the last summer league game. Um, which was if memory serves, sometime in the beginning of August. Um, it is now, my goodness, September twenty-third. How the time flies. We are officially around the corner. Don't call it a comeback. No, I know. Um, we are now officially around the corner from uh, media day. I was actually I was surprised because I thought um, opening of training camp and media day around the league. What's up, Ferg? Uh, what's up, Dirty Dancer? What's up, R-Y-A-N? Uh, oh, Ryan. There you go. Um, I thought media day was universally around the league, you know, next Monday, Tuesday. But saw a lot of news obviously come out today from some press conferences and this and that. Saw some Rob Palinka quotes. I think I saw some quotes from uh, Tommy Shepard in Washington. A couple other people. Nothing nothing crazy. Um, there was some Zach Levine stuff coming out of Chicago I thought was interesting. But, yeah, we're officially ramping things up. Um, so uh, to answer your question, when's the first round of media day for the Knicks? Um, I don't know yet. Uh, I have been checking in. I've checked in a few times. I was told that we would find out that information uh, before the weekend, uh, my assumption would be that it will be Monday or Tuesday, uh, but we'll see. And uh, whenever it is, uh, you can expect full coverage from yours truly and your your friends from Nick's Film School. Um, are am I working from the closet? Good question, Christian Ramos. No. So these are my new digs. This is not a closet um for anybody watching obviously on youtube as opposed to listening the day after uh to the podcast that we're going to be turning this into um my new digs are here in brooklyn um my new apartment has a second exit that we will not be using so i have turned that second exit into my i guess what counts as a man cave can you have a man cave that is i guess four feet by Let's generously call it 16 square feet. All right. Can you have a 16 square foot man cave? I think it's more like a man, a man, man, uh, hovel, uh, maybe a, a man 
It's definitely not a cave. Manhole. Let's call it a manhole. I'm in my manhole. Um, we are here. This is still a thing. Yes. Um, Joel asks, will I be in training camp? Uh, I sure hope so. Um, nothing's official yet because, again, they haven't uh, released the procedures for that. I'm assuming it's going to be live. We haven't gotten confirmation. But uh, if if your boy can get there, your boy is going to be there. Um, so that'll be exciting. But uh, we wanted to do this on the eve of training camp because we uh, – <laughs> yes, I did frame the J.R. Smith tweet. Uh, we wanted to do this because it has been a while. I think this is the longest because if you think about it, the Knicks season ended um, in 2019-20 and then went, obviously went right into the um, – we had the bubble playoffs and then the off season, but like since the beginning of the 2020 off season, right. Um, it feels like we've just gone straight through. And I, I actually don't know that we've had this long of a break because there was no off season last season. And we were constantly, you know, at you guys with post games with whether it was the trade deadline, draft night, um, free agency night, summer league, uh, all this stuff, and uh, we finally got to take a little bit of break, and and now and now we're back. So we wanted to kind of kick things off unofficially. Obviously, we will have some some more, um, you know, interesting uh, things to tend to in the coming weeks. Preseason games, obviously, media day, and then the the kickoff of the regular season. Um, but yeah, this is kind of the unofficial jumping off point. Check out the lighting, though. Shout out to Andrew Claudio. So, again, for anybody watching on YouTube, I am uh, pleased to be lit by a – I wish I could turn the laptop around, but I feel like I'd break something. Uh, a brand new – what is this called, Andrew? Is this a, a ring light, I think. It's a ring light um, that is lighting me. So, yeah, we have really upgraded this season. Um, but the but the purpose of this is just to kind of check in with folks. And, uh, you know, I'm sure people have – things that are on their mind. Um, I've been taking it easy on Twitter. I have not really engaged in uh, some of the takes, uh, what I will generously refer to as some of the nonsense. Any list, any article that is based on a list that someone has made about a thing in which they have ranked NBA players is not something that I have chosen to spend my personal time engaging with. If you have chosen to spend your personal time engaging with a list or lists in the offseason, that is fine, and I'm happy to talk about it. I personally have not spent my time engaging in such things. But, um, again, from my, from my cursory scrolling of Twitter, my understanding is that is a thing that is on people's minds these days. So I'll talk about that. I'll talk about any of the other stuff, Cat stuff, the Simmons stuff, um, and obviously about the Knicks this season, um, about what really matters, about what we really care about, and about what we hope will be, um, you know, another step forward. And it's been a while that we could say that because <laughs> the last time the organization took a step forward that would um, enable another step forward was 2012-13, I guess, if we're being honest. And then they, they uh, quickly took a step backward, and then we don't have to talk about what happened after that. So it's like this is the second opportunity that we've had to do this in the last uh, two decades. I, for one, am excited about it. Um, let me just say at the outset, I am very high on this team. Um, I think 
that there is a possibility that they don't finish with a third or a fourth seed because I think that the East is very good and has gotten better. But generally speaking, I do think they're a better team. Um, I, For anybody who's watched or listened over the course of the summer, I obviously was in love with the moves that they've made, as I think most people were, um, like what they did the night of the draft. And I think they have a real plan. I think the pieces fit together in a very reasonable way. Uh, I have questions. I have questions about how they are going to rest Kemba. Um, I have questions. I should say I have questions. I'm curious to see how the offense looks, where the offense flows through. Is it still going to be a very Julius Randle-centric offense? Um, I think Tibbs probably did that out of necessity last year, and then it got rolling, and you know, one thing led to another, and he's just like, "Well, I'm not going to broke it or fix what I've broken." Um, that doesn't mean he has to go back to that well again. So that's something I'll be looking for. Um, like a lot of people, I'll be looking to see if any of the rookies get time. And, um, you know, what I think probably the most interesting thing, you know, put, putting Kemba in his own category and, and his knee and, and how it holds up and all that, I'm really excited to see the young players on this team. And I'm not even talking about the rookies. I'm talking about, yes, Obi Toppin, yes, Emmanuel Quickly, and yes, uh, R.J. Barrett. Um, I'm super excited to see what R.J. Barrett does in um, year three now of the R.J. Barrett experience here in New York. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about some stuff. Uh, I'm just going to look in the chat, and I'll answer whatever questions you guys had. Because, um, like I said, I don't really have a whole lot to say. I've kind of been sharing my thoughts throughout the summer in the newsletter um, and on you know any other live streams that I've done. So uh, this is all about answering your guys' questions and, and um, jumping off of of uh, the conversation that you guys want to hear about. So first and foremost, I saw a question above and I saw we got our first uh, super chat. Thank you very much, which I will get to in a second. But Ryan asks on behalf of a Knicks fan worried for the defense this year, if you get the chance, could you ask Tibbs about the defensive responsibilities? Guys like RJ will have to pick up a bullet gun. Um, if I get a chance to ask Tibbs a question, it's big if, but if I get a chance to ask Tibbs a question, um, I think as good a question as any, uh, is about RJ because I think, you know, not that Tibbs is going to give you anything and he's not going to give you anything about anybody. It doesn't matter who you ask about. Um, the obvious first question will probably be what the what's the plan for Kemba Walker. But I think the way that you hear a coach talk about someone as opposed to the specific things that he s- says about a person tell you a lot. And um, it was very clear in the way Tibbs talked about RJ and his responsibilities versus, say, Randall and his responsibilities on the team last season. Like, this was Julius Randall's team. And then RJ Barrett was a young player who someday was going to be very good. Um, but on last year's team, he was just a guy who fit into a role. It was a very important role. Obviously, he played the second most minutes in the league. Um, he was relied upon to do a lot of things on both ends of the floor. So, yeah, I think that's a good question. My personal expectation is that R.J. Barrett will be asked to, to guard the opposing team's best wing player every night. I don't – I think if you uh, – I haven't even thought about this until literally right now, but, like, you know, you're always looking for, for um, areas of variance. Where can the team outperform expectations? Where could the team underperform expectations? If R.J. Barrett ever got hurt, um, that would be a real problem because who is their next best wing defender? Um, I, I don't even have an, obvious, I really, I literally don't have an obvious answer because there is none. 
Um, it's not Alec Burks. It's not Evan Fournier. I mean, it's a Quentin Grimes. Is is a rookie? Can can a rookie be your your second best wing defender? You know, that's going to be a weak spot. Um, and it's obviously going to have to be the team defense. But like, you know, Bullock helped clean up a lot of messes last year, or, or he prevented a lot of messes from even happening in the first place because he took on that responsibility. So that's a big one. Um, luckily, R.J. Barrett is built like a brick shit house, and is probably not going to get hurt. So. Um, Good stuff. Dirty Dancer, the top 100 slander of the season needs to be stopped. I uh, definitely agree with that. Um, Samit Shala, maybe a lower seed, but we'll be ready and better for the playoffs. I fully believe that. And our first super chat, Andre, Andre Talmadge. Thank you for kicking off the 21-22 season with this question or comment. Hey, guys, I promised Andrew I would reveal my true identity. Patreon joke. I am... Nick's nerds. That was not a question. That was barely a comment. But shout out to you, Andre, Nick's nerds. And shout out to everybody. Uh, shameless plug in our top Patreon tiers. We've been having some fun on the uh, on the town halls this summer. Um, I've been really enjoying the whole Patreon experience. We just recorded a two-hour Patreon pod in which we went and drafted uh, 30 players, the top 30 players, me, Jeremy, and Andrew from the 2000s. Um, just considering that 10 years, and it was a, a fun exercise. We're going to be doing the 90s in a few weeks. Uh, it's a fun opportunity to look at the NBA as a whole, but I digress. Um, Drew P., R.J. Barrett, uh, year three is going to be scary for the league. I, um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll save my, my R.J. takes for a little bit, little bit later. Let me have a couple sips of wine first. Erson, what's going on, Erson? How you doing, man? Um, good to see your, your Twitter presence growing. Um, I have Vildoza locked in as the 15th man on the roster. Do you think he'll be cut for someone in training camp, or will we stick to Vildoza? Um, I mean, I, this would obviously be a complete guess. Uh, so it would seem at the moment that the man that he's competing for uh, is Dwayne Bacon. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, just in case there's any uh, confusion, Dwayne Bacon cannot be signed to a two-way contract because he has completed four full seasons in the league, as opposed to Theo Pinson, who could have been signed to a two-way contract um, and unfortunately wasn't. Shout out to Theo. Uh, I will miss him, as will we all. Um, I don't know. I The thing with Vildoza that confuses me is Vildoza played a really significant role on a really good team overseas. Um, so I, I don't, you know, between Kemba Walker, Derek Rose, um, Emmanuel quickly possibly getting some spot, uh, point guard minutes, obviously Juice McBride being, being in there. Like what is the role for, you know, to say nothing of like RJ and, and Julius doing some of the ball handling duties. What, what is the role for a, I don't know, fourth string point guard? Like th does Luca Vildoza want to just kind of be in New York and chill and enjoy the city? Like maybe, um, my, my guess would be, and this is not going to answer your question. My guess would be is that if they release Vildoza and they hold on to Bacon or release both of them and keep that spot open for someone else, whatever the case may be, um, it is as much because Vildoza, um, you know, may may want an opportunity to go somewhere and, and play more, even if, if that is overseas. Um, if I had to guess right now, I'd probably guess that Vildoza will stick, but, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, hey, Sumit, what's going on? Uh, will press conferences be Zoom during media day? I don't know. Um, again, I have been, uh, kicking the tires, uh, with the appropriate parties to find out information about that. And I have been told that again, that information will be shared, um, before the weekend. So as soon as I know, and I'm allowed 
and am allowed to share, uh, I will, of course, uh, share with you guys. Uh, all I see is an early congrats. Andrew, Andrew's talking baseball. Why is Andrew talking baseball? I have no idea. Isn't your baseball season over, Andrew? Didn't your baseball season end like three or four weeks ago? Um, that was me. I'm sorry. Um, Steve Seville. Mitch will be an unrestricted free agent. Can he be signed using bird rights or do we need to use cap space? Um, okay. How could we make this very simple? Um, so when you have uh, full bird rights on like, so the Knicks have full bird rights on uh, Mitchell Robinson, or they will have full bird rights on, on Mitchell Robinson um, after this season. And I guess technically they, they do now. Um, Andrew's texting me. Oh, Nick Snurge is a Braves fan. Oh, that's right. Oh, sorry. I digress. For anybody listening on the pod, I guess this is an inside joke. Um, so here's the deal. Mix, Mitch Robinson, uh, his cap hold is going to be very small, um, but the cap hold isn't really going to matter, um, Whether whatever the size of the, the cap hold is. Uh, because they have his full bird rights, they're not going to like, there's going to be no impediment to signing him to whatever contract they want to sign him to after the season. Um, will that take them, will that contract take them even further over the cap? Because barring any trades or anything, they're going to enter this summer as an over the cap team and in all likelihood remain an over the cap team. Again, you never know trades, what have you. Um, but you know, Mitchell Robinson's new contract, should they sign him to a new contract, whatever that contract may be, is going to take them further over the cap. But again, when you're an over-the-cap team, it's it's like uh, – I'm, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. Once you're over the cap, the next thing you have to worry about is becoming – or is if you get hard-capped, is crossing the, the tax apron. And the Knicks are miles and miles away from the tax apron. So in terms of Mitchell Robinson's next contract, again, assuming he signs as an unrestricted free agent in the summer, um, whatever that number is, whether it's $12 million a year, $10 million a year, $15 million a year, maybe even more than that, a little bit, that's, that's not going to really get them close to the, the tax apron. Um, and, and quite frankly, they are probably a few trades away from getting close to the tax apron. Um, the thing to know about Mitch is – in terms of extending his contract today or tomorrow or at any point between now and uh, the beginning of next offseason, whenever, I don't know when that is going to be, you know, July 1st, so up till June 30th, um, they have a limit on what they could extend him for. So, right, you could only extend him for a contract starting at $12 million right now. Do they want to extend him for the most that they could extend him for right now, which, again, would be roughly, I think, um, four years and like 50 Three fifty-four million dollars, something like that. I don't know. Does Mitch want that? I don't know. Um, but it'll be an interesting situation. It's kind of the one loose end that hasn't been tied up uh, with this team over the next two years. So I'll be as as curious to see that uh, as anyone. All right. Um, so Joel Akinyemi, I need you to talk about this ESPN top uh, one hundred list. So full disclosure, I, I again, I'm. I, I do not lie when I say that I don't read these things. Um, and I, I'm not going to go on a tangent. I promised myself I would not go on a tangent here. I, before I obviously was doing this full time, you know, wrote for some other publications. And, and some of those other publications, we would occasionally write, you know, make lists and ranks and things. And when you, 
when you did such things, um, your your inclination was in the days and weeks to follow, look and see how many clicks your thing generated. That's the purpose of these lists. And you know how I know it's the purpose of these lists, whether it be ESPN or SI or any, and I don't blame any of these places. I don't blame any of these places whatsoever for doing any of these lists because it's, it, it's a business. <laughs> you have to make money. You know how I know not to take any of those seriously because the ESPN personalities who are serious journalists and who I respect the hell out of, uh, really, it's just, it's, I mean, there's more than this, but in terms of the guys that have a podcast, it's Zach Lowe and it's, um, and it's Brian Windhorst. They don't pay attention to this nonsense. Um, and they work for ESPN. And if you listen carefully, for anybody here who listens to the Bill Simmons podcast, um, who had Zach Lowe and uh, I promise I'm not going to let this go too much longer, but just very briefly, who had Zach Lowe and Jack, uh, Jackie McMullen on, who recently left ESPN. You know, and Zach talked about how Jackie was a pillar in terms of, you know, doing things the right way, so to speak, and going after the stories that matter and not engaging with the nonsense that doesn't matter. And my personal reading between the lines of those things is like, ESPN wants their journalists and their writers like Zach Lowe and until a few months ago, Jack McMullen to engage in nonsense like a top 100 list. I'm not saying the exercise of really trying to think out who are the top 100 players in the NBA is a futile one or it's a waste of time. And quite frankly, I'd be interested to see what some of the more respected minds um, thought of those things. But when it's an exercise in like, we need to put out a thing that's going to generate revenue for our business I stop caring. Um, so all of that is a, a backdrop to what I'm going to say about like, if you're sitting there and you're annoyed because RJ Barrett wasn't included on whatever list, first of all, don't be. Um, second of all, I think if you're looking for a reason why RJ Barrett was not included on, I think it was a top 125 earlier in the summer from someone with the, I think it was maybe part now on the athletic or whoever it was, it was a smart guy. Um, but he has a very specific formula that he's using, and I'm not even going to get into that. But even like the list that came out recently, RJ, there's two ways, there's two reasons that people could get away with this. Because if you look at RJ last season, um, like he was good. We know he was good. He wasn't good his rookie season. He was good last season. How good was he? Was he the 60th best player in the NBA? Was he the 80th best player? Was he the 100th best player? I don't know. To me, this is splitting hairs um, because after you get past those first few tiers of guys, it's really, really, really tough to parse out. Because, like, what's your definition of best? Like, am I supposed to envision what R.J. Barrett would be if he had, a, you know, a role on a shitty team where he was allowed to go figure his shit out more and average maybe 24 points a game but on less efficiency and, like, make more mistakes and he wasn't playing for a winning franchise? Like, how do you even begin to parse this stuff out? That's why I think the conversation is interesting, but to, to just focus on the what was done, he's in that range, right? He's in this, I don't know, somewhere between 50 and 150. Um, personally, I have him in the top 100, obviously, um, and I'm certain I would have him in the top you know, 100 comfortably for this upcoming season. But projecting him moving forward is you're assuming things that you haven't seen yet. And... R.J. Barrett last season on the Knicks was a 
phenomenal floor spacer on catch and shoots. He was a solid defender. Um, he sopped up a decent amount of usage. Like he went and they, you know, he was tasked with cre- creating his own shot a decent amount. Um, but he was also a guy that, and this is where I think the reason why he, he doesn't make this list and why people could get away with putting him off of it. Cause he doesn't look the part of the young player that's about to blow up. He's not taking, or at least he hasn't yet taken step back threes. He hasn't taken off the dribble threes. Um, for the second year in a row, he shot around 54, 55% from the rim. Um, he doesn't dazzle you with his moves around the rim. If anything, there are times where he drives and he puts up some stuff that isn't that pretty looking. So if you're a, a person tasked with writing one of these columns, again, for profit, um, and you're like, huh, um, what's something that's going to make my piece a little bit more interesting? Well, you know what? RJ had a nice year. He put up some nice numbers, but he's also not doing these couple of things that at least I could say these other guys are doing. Um, and he's also, you know, maybe the some of the advanced stats don't love him, and that's actually not really true because there are other advanced stats that do like him very much. Um, I could get away with it. And so they get away with it. And you know why they get away with it? Because it gets people like Knicks fans clicking on this shit and getting aggravated about this shit and then wanting me to talk about this shit. And it's, I, I don't, you know, it's, I just don't think it's worth our time. Um, you know what's worth our time? Watching RJ Barrett this year and watching RJ Barrett grow into, hopefully, um, the second or third best player on a contending team in the NBA. I still think that's what he could be. Um, I know that there are people who, when I say uh, that I, I have RJ Barrett's like over under for all star games as like two and a half. There are people that that you know act as if I'm calling him a hot uh, you know a hot mess in a dumpster fire. Um, you know, if he makes six or seven all uh, all star games, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, I, I don't know that I could sit here reasonably and project that based on what we've seen. Is it possible? Of course, it's possible. If he keeps taking incremental steps forward based on what we've seen every year, you know, I don't know what the percentage leap was that he took from one, year one to year two. But it was a big one. He doesn't even need to take that big a percentage leap from year two to year three or year three to year four and year four to year five. Even if the percentage leaps get smaller and smaller and smaller, as long as they're consistent. Let's say last year was a 10% leap and this year is an 8% leap and the year after that's a 6% leap. By the time he's in year five or year six, yeah, obviously you're going to be looking at an all-star. And then, you know, how long does it last for? So – if you were to sit here and tell me that in 10 years, R.J. Barrett has made three, four, five, six all-star teams, I wouldn't tell you you're lying. It's possible. Um, it's going to depend on his work ethic. It's going to depend on the environment that he's in. Can the Knicks keep winning? Um, does he continue getting the opportunity to succeed? And obviously the most important thing, can he add the necessary pieces to his game that if you're going to be an all-star in the league today, you need to be able to do. If you're going to be a perimeter player, you need to be able to make stuff happen off the dribble, behind the arc, at a fairly efficient rate. Um, if you're in the build of R.J. Barrett, you're probably going to need to do some playmaking, some serious playmaking, a little bit more than he's done already. Uh, you're going to need to defend probably the other team's best player for the next five, six, seven years. Um, you know, and then – clean up some of the little stuff, like the 55% around the rim. That's not going to cut it anymore. Um, 
I think he's going to improve in all those areas. But the but the conversation about is he a top 75 player? Is he a top 50 player? Is he a all-star? Is he an all-NBA player? That's all how much is he going to improve in those areas? And if you're someone that's sitting and being like, yeah, I think he's a pretty good guy. I don't know if he's ever going to make an all-star team. Or you're sitting here and being like, you're an idiot. This guy's a future Hall of Famer. Neither of you are wrong. Nobody's wrong because we don't know yet. It's projecting. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it interesting. Um, I, I just wish some of the discourse about him was, um, you know, maybe a little bit more civil. Unless you don't think he's a top 100 player. Then you're just an idiot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's keep going. Um, we have some more Super Chats. Um, Chad Cohen. Hi, John. Going to be a great year. I agree. Uh, if Randall isn't playing at a top 15 level, where do you see us getting more offense? RJ Walker, Rose, Fournier, Fournier, Fournier Clyde boys. Um, hmm. I don't, I don't know that Rand- – first of all, I think Randall's going to play at pretty close to a top 15 level again. Um. I don't know how much 
I don't know how much Randall's level is going to affect where they get the rest of their offense from. Um, you know, I think RJ, for as much as I just talked about RJ and like, is he going to make a huge leap? Is he going to make a small leap? Is he going to make a medium leap? I think we, I kind of know what we're going to get from RJ. Like I'm not expecting RJ to come out this season and look like an all NBA player. Like I think his ceiling is like a guy that maybe, maybe he's in an all-star conversation or two. Um, that would be great, but I think he's going to be good. Fournier is going to be good. He's going to be the guy we've seen for the last several years. Um, and I think as far as the, the point guards to me, that's really what this all comes down to. Um, and, oh, I'm seeing Andrew text me, and I'm not uh, – Andrew, t- do me a favor. Take a picture of the question you, you're talking about in, in text, and I'll, uh, I'll answer it. Um, to me, the biggest question – because, like, last season to end the year, it was very clear that after Randall, like, Rose was the next highest usage guy. Pretty much from the moment Rose got here, he was the next highest usage guy. Like when he was on the floor, he was dominating possessions. And part of the issue was that there was never I – don't, I don't get the sense that him and Randall ever really gelled. Now you've injected Kemba into the mix. Theoretically, there's 48 minutes that they could play between the two of them. I'm really fascinated to see, and I'm, I'm stealing a little bit from tomorrow's newsletter. Are they going to stagger um, – oh, I'm getting to it now. Are they going to stagger – or let me rephrase that. Are they going to rest quickly within games or between games? And what I mean by that is, or sorry, not quickly, Kemba. Um, like last season, I think one of the issues of Boston is like every third game or every fourth game, Kemba Walker was sitting on the sidelines. And I remember when I talked to Adam Taylor about this a couple of months ago, he, he was like, they never really got any continuity together because of that. Now, that team had a lot of COVID issues. They may have had some other issues. Um, so I'm not putting all the blame on, on the fact that Kemba wasn't in there every day. But personally, I would love it if there was a situation where Kemba Walker played pretty much every game, but he was only playing 20, 22, 24, 26 minutes a night um, just because you have that continuity. I think if, if he does that and he could be the guy that he was – when he was on the floor for, for Boston last year. And then you get the version of Derrick Rose that we saw last year, again, for 22, 24, 26 minutes a night. Then I think this is really a two-headed monster. I think it's Randall, and I think it's whichever point guard is on the floor. And then I think RJ slots in third behind that. Fournier probably slots in fourth. And then the, the other guy I'm – and then, again, I'm probably on an island with this one, but the other guy I'm really excited to see this year is Obi Toppin. Um, look, I've been wrong about young Knicks players in the past, uh, much to my chagrin. Uh, Obi Toppin, could he absolutely flop and be a bust still? Sure. Again, we're projecting. We don't know. Um, but I'm excited to see him, and I think there's a significant possibility that he plays a bigger role for this team this year than, than anyone's expecting. Um, I think this is the question Andrew wants me to, to answer. Um, well, I don't know which one it is, so I'll answer both of them. Do you think Julius Randle will be in, uh, encouraged to drive to the basket more rather than selling for medium and long-range jump shots? I think Julius Randle is going to be given carte blanche to do whatever he wants and whatever he feels most comfortable with. When you finish eighth in MVP and you make the All-NBA second team, I think you've earned that right. I think Julius Randle, for his own sanity, will probably want to get some easier buckets this year, um, and I think that's where the point guards come in. Um, and then Evan, 
uh, Janichin is quickly more likely to be traded this season or take Fournier's starting spot. Wow. So you're forcing me to pick which one of those is more likely. I don't think either of them is very likely. Um, it's a tricky question because I think if you're asking me which which Nick is most likely to be traded this season, my answer would probably be Fournier. I want to be very clear. I don't think Evan Fournier is getting traded, but I think if the Knicks make a trade this season, um, it's going to be you know, the type of trade that we've been talking about for months and months, and you're going to need Evan Fournier's salary uh, to make that trade work. But the, the thing there is if, if that trade transpires – the guy who's coming back is probably just taking Evan Fournier's spot in the starting lineup. The thing that I find very interesting, and again, I'm not spending too much time thinking about it because I want to focus on the team that's here, not somebody that's not here, is like, so if you trade for a point guard and like, does that mean that like either Rose or Walker has to go out in the trade because isn't the point guard going to be then taking a lion's share of the minutes? So like, what's the deal there? Do you like, you know, do you try to trade one of those guys in a separate deal? Like I, you know, but again, I'm not worried about that. Um, I don't know. Gun to my head, I guess. I guess it's more. Wow. I guess it's more likely that quickly takes Fournier's starting spot. I don't think they want to trade quickly. Um, I think he's. I think he's the real deal. And if there's a guy who could come out and really be like, "Holy shit!" Like. We did we re, did we underestimate this guy for two years in a row? Um, I think it's Emmanuel quickly. I think I think quickly's, you know, I think he has a chance to be a special player. We'll see. I'm really high on Emmanuel quickly. Just like I'm high on on Obi Toppin. Um, okay, um, my main man, uh, Blanche Tears. Honored to be a guest on his show in the morning sometimes. Um, is it Knicks for clicks? Like days of future past. I mean, look, it's always Knicks for clicks. It's always Knicks for clicks. But Knicks for clicks works two ways. Like, <laughs> Knicks Film School has grown to the point where I could sit here on a Thursday night and, like, just not talk about anything in particular and just, like, hey, let's shoot the shit before training camp opens. And I get to do that, and there are people interested in, in coming and having a conversation. Um is that next for clicks? It's it's because our fan base is so huge that any time any one of our players is going to be written about or talked about or our team is going to be written about or talked about, whether it's by someone like me, who obviously is a fan of the team, or whether it's someone who's being critical of the team. That's why Nick's for clicks is, as long as there are Nick fans, Nick's for clicks is never going to go away. Um, it never went away, and it's never going to go away. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess um, – the worst thing you could be is irrelevant, right? Um, so from that perspective, keep keep the clicks coming, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think that's that's fair to say. It is days of future past. Um, we got some more, we got some more stuff. You are everywhere, um, dirty dancer. Twenty five percent of the league isn't better than RJ. There is no argument. Um, how many players are in the league? There's fifteen. So there's four hundred fifty players in the league. Um, so, uh, 25% of the league would be, um, 112.5. Uh, no, I don't think, look, I, I, so again, full disclosure, um, I, like I said, I think these, I think these thought exercises are interesting 
not so much the ranking part of it, but like kind of putting guys in groups and like putting guys in tiers. And I'm going to be doing something for the Patreon pod um, probably next week to look at like, you know, grouping players in tiers. And I've, I've started to work my way through the first four tiers. And I think I have about 35 players. Um, and RJ is not in that group. Um, I have, I have Julius pretty high, higher than most, but like, I'm now ready to get to the fifth tier and it's going to be a very big tier. And I'm certainly going to consider putting RJ Barrett in there. Does that mean I think that RJ Barrett's the 36th best player in the league? No, I don't think RJ Barrett's the 36th best player in the league. I probably don't even think he's a top 50 player um, this, in the year ahead. But at the same time, like, again, I, I really don't want to spend too much time talking about this because I just, I just, these are not my, <laughs> these are not the things I choose to engage with. Um, to say that he's not a top 125 player or even a top 100 player, you, I don't understand. I, like, I get you, you can make an argument. There's always an argument to be made, right? There's always an argument to be made. But, like, to look at a guy who played the second most minutes or whatever, the second or third most minutes in the league last year, and he played those minutes for a team that won 10 more games than they lost, whether you think it was smoke or mirrors or otherwise, um, how, how is the guy who played that amount of minutes for that team and had and again his usage rate was not huge his usage rate was whatever it was third fourth on the team um and he wasn't being asked to like create or do anything nuts but like how does that player how do you how do you like sit there with a straight face and say he's not a, a top 100 player I, to me that's just like again like i said before is there an argument for placing him anywhere in from like the 50 to like the 100 and change rate? Yeah, there's an argument. I just think some of those arguments are bad um, and they're stupid and they kind of miss, they, they get lost in the forest for the trees. Um, you know, it's being too cute by half. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's nicks for clicks. So um, I don't know. I don't know what to, I really don't know what else to say about it. I did. I just, again, I choose not to engage. Um, Andrew Claudio, I'm not answering that question. Um, watch Obi be in the top 100 next year. Watch. Boy, you're going to come crawling back to me, Andrew Claudio. Um, okay. What else we got? Uh, J.R. Will. Hello, John. I know you were very critical of RJ. You've recently changed your view, and I respect that everyone has their own opinion. Um, I was, I don't know, I was critical of RJ as a rookie. Um, I love how this is turning into an R.J. Barrett podcast or live stream. Uh, I was critical of R.J. Barrett as a rookie. Um, you never heard me come out and say that it was sacrilegious. He didn't make a, an all-rookie team because I didn't think it was sacrilegious. I just didn't think he was very good as a rookie. Um, and then I had uh, certainly dubious moments at the beginning of this year when he started out and he was really slumping from the first 10 games. Um, but I have I feel like I've been singing his tune pretty, pretty steadily. Um, for, you know, since January, roughly, um, or mid-January at the very least. Um, I, I guess the – see, but, but again, 
I, I don't know what it means to be critical. I, to me, saying that a young player has an over-under of like two or three all-star games, I don't know how that's – I guess I don't know how that's being critical. Like if I was – like if I sat here and said Luka Doncic has like an over-under of two or three all-star games, well, that, that would be silly because he's, he's Luka Doncic. Like I think RJ has a chance to be really, really special. I just don't know where the ceiling is. I hope that's – I hope people don't take that as being critical. Um, but you know, everybody has their own opinion of, of, uh, and their own interpretation, I guess, of the, the things that I say. So, you know, to, to each their own, um, MB, you only get to choose one. RJ takes a major leap on defense or Mitch takes a major leap on offense, which would be better for the team. Ooh, that is a good question. Mm. So here's some RJ love. I think RJ Barrett was really good on defense last year. Um, he 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 didn't guard the best wing wing offensive player. That was Reggie Bullock's job, but he was responsible for like cleaning up a lot of messes caused by Alfred Payton. Um, I love Derrick Rose, but Derrick Rose is the not not the most stout defender. Um, and there were two rookies getting minutes for this team, and RJ Barrett was on the floor all of the fucking time. Um, he was really good on defense. I think if he took a major leap on defense, like what does that even look like? Is he then, I mean, is he, is he then in the all defense conversation? Um, that would be really cool and awesome. And it would help the Knicks a lot. And I think it would help RJ Barrett's stock a lot. But I think part of the benefit of having Tibbs is that you could kind of, as we saw last year, create chicken salad out of chicken shit. And I, my answer to this question, I think it's going to be pretty, I'm pretty solidly in this camp. I think it's Mitch taking a leap on offense. Now, what is a major leap on offense for a guy who already set the league record for the highest effective field goal percentage in league in history? I would assume you mean he's doing stuff on the short roll. He's, you know, making some some nice fancy passes, um, you know, maybe from a standstill. Uh, he's doing little jump hooks. Maybe he takes the occasional corner three, and he actually makes a few. Um, I don't, I don't know. If, if I, I don't, I don't see that from Mitch, but if that was like a real thing and the Knicks had a center that could really do stuff on offense and then protect the rim like Mitch protects the rim on the other end, oh boy. That's to me that that would be. I don't know if that's a game changer, but that's that would be pretty damn significant. Excellent question. I really really like that question. Good stuff, uh, Jason M. I'm interested to see how Tibbs designs the defense to cover for Kemba's weaknesses. To me, Kemba's Kemba's defense is is not really that different from Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is, you know, again he knows where he has to be. He knows when he has to be there or try to get there, and he does his best. Like Kemba's obviously not a good defender. He's He's a poor defender, but like, again, neither is Rose and they worked around it because it's like, okay, we know you can't stay in front of whoever you're guarding, but at least funnel them where you're supposed to funnel them. Don't get caught out of place. Make sure you're, you know, honoring your help assignments on time. Make sure you're honoring the correct help assignments, all that stuff. Like you could be a poor individual defender and be a good team defender. And I don't think I, I, I admittedly have not watched 
you know, a, a ton of Kemba Walker uh, over the years. I've, I've watched as much as probably any um, general NBA fan who who would turn on, you know, the occasional Hornets game. Um, I don't think he's a bad team defender. I think he tries his ass off. Um, I think they're going to be fine. I don't, I'm not worried about, uh, about, about any of that. Uh, JR will love your program. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you. Thank you for watching every show. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody, uh, for watching, even if you do think I'm an idiot. Um, because Hey, I am sometimes what can I do? Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if Derek Rose was a good defender last season. I, I think it's possible. Well, again, but I, I, this is my fault. I shouldn't describe Derek Rose as a bad defender or a poor defender because, that's generalizing defense under one umbrella and defense cannot be generalized under one umbrella, even within individual defense and team defense, which are two completely separate umbrellas. There are smaller umbrellas within each of those as it starts to thunder and lightning outside. How appropriate. Um, so you're right. Derek Rose is not a bad defender. I just mean like Derek Rose no longer has the ability to like stay in front of guys. He's not the best that may be battling through a pick and staying on a guy's hip. Um, that's not his strong suit, but you're right. It doesn't mean he's a bad defender. So good stuff. Um, everybody's noticing the, the JR, the JR Smith. So quick story. Cause a couple people have commented on it. I've told this before. I'll tell it again. So when my, when my wife and I got married, uh, coming up on seven years ago, my goodness, how time flies. Um, I love my wife. Uh, instead of doing table numbers, um, we did, uh, table names, and uh, everybody got assigned to a table with a certain name. And the table names all had something to do with uh, something that we felt passionately about or, or you know, was, was significant to us or whatever. And we named one of our tables at our wedding the pipe because we uh, watched the 2012-13 Knicks together, uh, oftentimes at a bar, uh, oftentimes, um, well, consuming alcoholic beverages, and my wife just could not get enough of J.R. Smith. She thought he was absolutely the best. And then we we enjoyed the the uh, you trying to get the pipe um, thing together and had a good a good laugh about it. And of course, the people that were sat at the the pipe table were all of my uh, degenerate law school friends. So you know, it only made sense. Um, Yes, M. Santos, this is my new studio, so you're going to be seeing a lot more of the pipe. Um, Jason M., uh, outside of the Butler Wolves, has Tibbs ever coached a team with this much offensive firepower? That's a good question. Um, outside of the Butler Wolves. So if you go by offensive ranking, I think – I. I I should have this committed to memory, uh, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think any of those Bulls teams were top ten offenses. Uh, maybe there was one that was like ninth or eighth. I, I think. Um, so basically, you're asking me like, do I think the Knicks have a chance to be a top ten offense? Let me tell you something. If the Knicks are a top ten offense, the Knicks are going to be a, a three seed, um, or a three or four seed because. Man, that would be amazing. Um, I if they get the Kemba Rose thing right, and they could really figure out how to make that duo, if they can maximize that duo 
And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but if they can maximize that duo and the physical abilities that that duo has left, because I believe the two of them have some serious physical abilities. I still think we probably need a pop from another guy. I don't know if it's RJ. I don't know if it's quickly. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it is Mitch being back healthy and, and creating more of a lob threat. I, I don't, I still think something else needs to happen because I don't think Julius could be much better than he was. Um, I think he could be better. I think he could be better, but I don't know how much better because he was really fucking good. Um, the most offensive firepower. Man, he had Derrick Rose as an MVP and some other guys on that team. He had, he had Joakim Noah the year that Joakim Noah finished fourth in MVP. Uh, playing point center. It's close. It's in the conversation. It's a really good question, though. It's a really good question. Um, <laughs> Johnny Chiba, how will Alfred Payton's departure translate into sub- addition by subtraction? Uh, a lot. Um, heck, Brizo, uh, thank you for your contribution to the Super Chat Cut. Um, can you show he's gotten better in the regular season? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, this is weird. Bondi just tweeted that uh, Dennis Smith Jr. has signed a training camp deal with the Blazers. The team announced. He'll compete for a roster spot with Quinn Cook, Marquise Chris, and Patrick Patterson. Um, I guess that was when that was announced several weeks ago. It was not made official, so I guess um, it was made official. Congratulations, Dennis Smith Jr. Um, okay. Can you show he's gotten better in the regular season? I think the question um, – I, if I'm understanding the question correctly, it's basically that – can can Julius Randle do anything during the regular season to put the fears that came from his playoff performance behind him? Um, I think no matter what he does, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a little bit of okay, do it, do it in the playoffs. Um, just because he was it, like, I would love to sit here and and talk about how you know they've improved the team. And that wasn't really him. It was the fact that he felt he needed to do it all. And he did like when, when the Hawks buckled down, like there was no natural outlet and like Reggie Bullock couldn't punish Trey young. And like other guys didn't have great chances. I could sit here until I'm blue in the face and like come up with concocted reasons why Julius Randle was bad. Like Julius Randle stunk in the playoffs. Like he was, he was just bad. He had a bad series. It happens. He had a bad series. Um, I'm not one of the people that is willing to look at that and be like, oh, so he's a fraud. That I think that's utter fucking nonsense. Um, and I think if that had something to do with where I, I think I saw him ranked in like the 40s on ESPN's list. Again, I God love the people that put these things together. Um, but I think, yeah, he can do something. You know what he could do? I want to see him develop a real chemistry and a real two-man game with one of the point guards. Or, or quite frankly, Emmanuel Quickly or R.J. Barrett. Like, the only guy that he developed a two-man game with last year, in my my personal opinion, was Reggie Bull. And I think the Hawks were able to snuff that two-man game out pretty easily in the playoffs because they're like, we know the way that Reggie Bullock can beat us and we're not going to let him beat us that way. Um, so like having a two man game with someone who could actually do some shit with the ball. That's really interesting and exciting to me. 
for as much as they played together though last year, um, I don't think and, and we saw it a little bit. I shouldn't say we didn't see it with, with RJ and Randall. We saw it a little bit with RJ and Randall. Not as much as I would have liked, but we saw it with them. I really didn't feel like we saw it with, with Randall and, and Rose. Um, not to say that they weren't good when they played together. I just thought it was more like, you know, my turn, your turn. Um, I didn't feel like there was ever a real synergy between those guys. So if you're asking me, what can Julius Randle do next season? And obviously this doesn't fall all on Julius Randle. This falls on, you know, Rose, Walker, whoever else. I think he could develop that synergy where you really feel confident going into the playoffs that like, no matter what teams do, they're not going to be able to shut down both of those guys if they're, if they're on their game. So that would be my, my answer to that. Um, we'll take a couple more. I can't believe the, it's amazing. I forgot how much these things fly by. I've been talking for 53 minutes. Amazing. Um, Michael asks, do you think, do you honestly think Tibbs can adjust change enough to be a championship coach? I mean, Mike Budenholzer was a championship coach last year. Frank Vogel is a championship coach. He's a championship coach that had LeBron James and Anthony Davis on his team, but you know, I digress. Um, you know, I I don't know. I think all coaches are creatures of habit to a certain extent. Like, the best coach of the last 20 years, I think we would all agree, is, is Popovich. And, like, if you want to look at Popovich as a guy who really has remained kind of in the, in the Stone Age in terms of some of the stuff he does. Now, obviously, it works, a lot of it. Not all of it, but, like, you know – the Spurs won when they had Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan goes away. How good of a, po- a coach is Popovich now? I don't know. You know, Kawhi Leonard went away. You know, how, how good of a coach is he? I, I think, you know, these guys are creatures of habit because they figure out early on what's going to work and what's not going to work. And I think good coaches are coaches that, A, figure out the right answer, to those questions, what's going to work versus what's not going to work. And then just as importantly, they get the guys to buy in to what works. Is there a third component of like, okay, this isn't working. We need to go away from our bread and butter and we need to be able to be flexible. Yes, absolutely. And Tibbs, I do not think he did a great job uh, with that over or, or he has done a great I don't think he's done a great job with that over the course of his career necessarily at the same time I've, I've said this before and I'll go back to it again point to me the series that Tibbs was supposed to win that he didn't point to me to the Tibbs team that underachieved um, or that that again lost that bowed out of the playoffs around it before they were supposed to bow out um, you know, you want to give me the one year, the bulls, I think lost to Washington in the first round. That team was fucking banged up. Um, you know, you want to give me the, the, uh, the, the, the wolves should have had a better showing against the rockets. The one year they made it in, uh, or they shouldn't have slipped to the AC. Um, Jimmy Butler was hurt towards the end of that season. They were running third, fourth the whole year. I, I just don't see it. I want to see Tibbs with a team that, he gets buy-in from, which I think he has buy-in from this team, and with some personnel and some talent that really allows him to show that he could be versatile. Um, is this that team? Is this that roster? I don't know. We'll, you know, we'll find out soon. I, I think it has a chance to be, um, but we'll see. I, I like that question too. I think that's a good question. 
Uh, okay, a couple more. Uh, with the additions of Kemba and Fournier, um, where did that question go? Do you think the front office is positioning to move RJ? I don't think any. I don't think those things have to do with one another at all. Not one bit. Um, it seems like the new pieces cannibalize his shots. I don't see Julius taking less shots. Use it's like, look. I don't mean to get on my soapbox, but I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. At the end of the day, you know, in the NBA, like you, you need guys who can efficiently generate offense. RJ had a really good year last year in part because of his success during the times where he did not need to generate offense. And I am specifically talking about from deep. And I'm even more specifically talking about the fact that 98% of his three-pointers were um, assisted. He also was pretty good in transition. He had a lot of opportunities in transition. He scored in transition a decent amount. RJ was given a lot of opportunities to create for himself. Not a ton, not a ton, but he was given opportunities. And he did, you know, Okay, for a second-year player with those opportunities, again, I'm not making up the numbers around the rim. The, the, the numbers around the rim are what they are. The numbers on drives are what they are. Um, but, again, he's a second-year player. He's a 20-year-old kid. He did what he was supposed to do. He's growing. He's figuring it out. Um, I think they're going to give him those opportunities again. But if you're telling me that he should get I, – I don't think he should get less opportunities, so let me be very clear about that. But if you're asking me should he get more opportunities – if he's more efficient with the opportunities he gets, then fuck yes. He should get as many opportunities as he can handle. And I think they will give him those opportunities. Like, look, there's a lot of possessions to go around in an NBA game. Um, and think about all the times last year that New York went – I've referenced this a lot of times in the past. It seemed like they would go five, six, seven minutes of game action where it's like, holy shit, this team's never going to score again for the rest of the season. And then they'd figure out a way to score and they'd win a game. But, like, that was because they had a, a, a paucity of players who could generate their own shots. You need those guys in the NBA because those those patches of time happen in every um, game for, for, for every team unless you have a bunch of those guys. Um, I, yes, is Walker and Four, are Walker and Fournier going to get a chance to, to play that role as well? Sure. But, like, I don't think anything that those guys are going to do is going to blow away, like – what RJ could be if he takes a step up. I think he's going to have the opportunity to be successful. And I don't think them getting those players for one second means they have an intention to trade him or they want to trade him or they're looking to trade him or any such thing. I think the organization loves RJ. And I think the only way that they would trade him um, is if they, I actually don't even know if they would trade him. I, I think there's, there's a part of me that thinks they would not trade him or they wouldn't trade him for, you know, all but five guys. Um, I think they really are high on him. Um, I think there's a world where they trade him, but I think they would trade him if they knew that trading him would mean that whatever was happening after they traded him would leave the Knicks as a contender. And not like if you squint and a bunch of guys get hurt, then they're a contender. No, a contender. Um, I don't think that move is out there this year. I don't think they're trading R.J. Barrett this year. I, I hope they're not trading R.J. Barrett for a long time. Um, despite my what, what can be construed as critique, I, I don't want them to, to trade R.J. Barrett. Um, how many corner threes does Kevin Knox hit this year? Do, does the G League count? Um, God, twelve. Um, what else? 
do, do, do. Oh, Popovich or Phil Jackson. So I was talking about the last 20 years. Um, who's a better coach, Popovich or Phil Jackson? I don't know. I don't really have a strong conviction one way or another. I'm sure people do have a strong conviction one way or the other. I, um, but I think I, the reason I said Popovich is the best coach over the last 20 years is because Phil Jackson hasn't coached for the last nine years. So is what Phil Jackson did in the first 11 years of the decade better than what Pop has done in the last 20? Eh, I'm not so sure. Um, so I would, I would, if you're asking me who the best coach of the last 30 years is, I think that's Phil Jackson. And then it's probably Popovich and then it's probably Pat Riley. Um, what else we got here? Okay. My God, we got, we've gone over an hour. Okay. I'm going to take three more and then I'm out of here. Um, the starting line from this is from first last. The starting lineup is good for 80, 85, 90 points. The starting lineup is good for 85, 90 points. Let's count. Uh, let's give Julius Randle 25. We'll give him an extra point per game. Let's give RJ 20. So we're up to 45. Let's give Kemba. I hope he plays less minutes and more games. Uh, I'm going to give Kemba. I'm going to give him 18 points a game. So we're up to 63. Uh, who am I missing? Fournier. Let's give Fournier 15 points. I hope my math isn't off. Uh, gets us up to 78. And that leaves Mitch needs to score eight points a game. Yeah, 85, 90. Okay, I like it. Um Okay, two more. Uh, what else we got? Last 30, still pop? Yeah, maybe. Um, Pat Riley. I mean, Pat Riley's a great coach. What, what, can, you, what can you say? Um, Van Gundy, how about Woody? His Knicks were pretty good. Um, Van Gundy was – Van Gundy's my favorite Knicks coach ever, just to be very clear about that. Okay, um, last, last question, I think. Um, yes, I think I answered that. Um, okay. From Johnny Chiba, will Julius' point forward role last year be trimmed to allow Kemba Evan, et cetera, to take over distribution and allow Julius Randle to take advantage of superior one-on-one skills? No more driving and spinning into traffic. Um, yes, I think his point forward role will be trimmed just because I don't think he's going to be asked to create as much offense. But I don't think, I don't think his ability to create said offense will go down. And I think it will actually improve. I think Julius Randle is going to get better. And I think he's going to be do, be able to do better with maybe fewer opportunities because of the help he has and to, to your point, I think the, the most interesting, arguably the most interesting, I don't know if it's, if it's an X's and O's question. It's not really an X's and O's question. But, like, in terms of, like, schematic question, like, can they figure out more ways to get Julius Randle involved off the ball and without the ball? 
Uh, I'm and I'm not talking about on the perimeter. I'm talking about figure out ways to get him rolling downhill where there's not a mass of bodies uh, waiting for him in the paint. And I understand there's some impediments because the Knicks don't have uh, a true five who could shoot. Um, but I want to see it. That's what I want to see. If you're asking me what kind of adjustment or what kind of schematic growth would I like to see from Tom Thibodeau this year, that's probably uh, my answer. Yes, no more Tasmanian spin. Okay, uh, let me read these out loud because Andrew has typed them in uh, for me. Thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. Yes, thank you for tuning in tonight, guys. Uh, we might do one more of these before the first preseason game, so stay tuned. Um, yes, we may do that. Um, reminder to check out the Knicks Film School podcast whenever, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and our Patreon for an extra Knicks Film School podcast a week for just $7 a month. I have to say, I do think these things are pretty good. I, I rarely promote my own stuff. I should probably do that more. Um, but I uh, the, the Patreon pods are a lot of fun because we get to talk about the NBA. We often get to talk about NBA history. And I'm really excited for them um, during the regular season because it will give us a chance to talk about the rest of the league. Um, obviously, in context with the Knicks and in connection to the Knicks. But I think that's, you know, it's a fascinating league and there's more than enough Knicks content to talk about on this podcast stream. Um, so to have an opportunity to talk about other other stuff is pretty cool. Okay. On that note, I'm out. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You guys are the best. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy the weekend. And uh, we will see you again real soon. Adios. Okay. Thank you very much for checking out. Uh, that presentation of my innermost thoughts, fears, dreams, hopes, uh, and a story about uh, my wife and I rooting for J.R. Smith uh, and then naming a wedding table after him. Uh, as always, if you enjoy the pod, feel free to drop a review, drop a rating. Um, if you're not subscribed, go subscribe. Uh, if you are subscribed, go tell a friend to subscribe. Uh, it helps us out. It helps us put in the time that we put in and, and do what we do. So um, we do really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, don't forget. Also, uh, if you're not a subscriber to Patreon, feel free to get on that train. Uh, like uh, I mentioned, dropped a best of the first decade uh, of the century podcast. We did a top 30 draft in which we we picked a bunch of players from 2000 to 2009. Uh, had a lot of fun. Got some other fun Patreon pods coming out too. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, oh, last but not least, if you have not checked out yet the movie podcast, Sweeping the Nation, please check out on a podcast app near you, uh, Final Review, featuring None other than the producer of this show, Andrew Claudio, uh, and my good friend, Bernard Ozerowski. Uh, they just did a killer episode on Pulp Fiction. I have, I think I have about 15 minutes left because I've had a bit of a busy day, uh, but I plan to finish those 15 minutes um, before the end of the night. Uh, it is another banger of an episode. If you like movies and you like thinking about movies and listening to other people who like to think about movies, uh, you will enjoy this pod. Okay, that's it. Uh, hope you enjoyed this one, and we will be back with you with another episode very soon. Get up.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com